Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the post-game show presented by Rico. I'm Chris McPherson, alongside former Eels linebacker Ike Reese. I apologize for the lack of energy right now, but another disheartening loss for the Eagles, falling 23-21 to to the Minnesota Vikings to fall to 2-3 and on the season. Certainly, we all knew that both teams were going to be desperate. Minnesota was going to be coming in, not having won since opening week. They had revenge on their minds for the NFC Championship game last year, but none of us expected the game to unfold the way it did with the Vikings racing out to a 17-3 halftime lead, extending it to 20-3, and the Eagles making way too many mistakes on offense, having no answers on defense, found a way to climb back into the ball game, made it 20-14. Nigel Brown recovered a fumble. Eagles had the ball in Minnesota territory, but not able to get any points on that drive in the fourth quarter. And then Dan Bailey, who missed two easy field goals early in the game, put it away with, of course, a 52-yarder. So, Ike, again, the Eagles sitting here below 500 for the first time since 2016. They never fell below 500 at all during the run to the Super Bowl. And a team that still found a way to make it close in the end, but it's just not the same in-sync team that we saw really from the jump in 2017. Yeah, they really have struggled to find their footing, Chris. I mean, you look at this team and they've yet to put together a complete four-quarter, 60-minute football game on both sides of the ball, or I should say in all three phases of the game. And that's really been the story of this young 2018 season for the Eagles is that it's been difficult even when they found the way to scrap out wins. Uh, they've just been difficult to come by. And you're looking at a team that – has yet to find their true identity as a team and really aren't playing very fundamentally sound football right now. And they find themselves in these dog fights week in and week out uh, with these teams. And in this league, you know, it's a flippable coin as to which way these ball games can go. The Eagles have found themselves in five close, really one score football games, and they've come out on the wrong end three times uh, compared to winning just two of them. It's a tough way to make a living in this league. And I know every game is going to be close. That's just how the league is made up. But you make it more difficult on yourself when you basically have self-inflicted wounds throughout the course of the game. You know, it's already difficult enough to beat your opponent. But when you're beating yourself along with your opponent having success against you, that's really not the formula for success. There is so much to get into here, so much to unpackage here on the post-game show presented by Rico. We are going to hear from the head coach, Doug Pearson himself, as well as quarterback Carson Wentz. And we're going to send it in a little bit over to the link to hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro and our reporter Amy Campbell, who are on the scene. But as we just get into what happened here, I think you touched on an amazing point there, Ike, with the self-inflicted wounds. For me, when I look at this Eagles team, I'm not surprised that we saw the up-and-down nature, that inconsistent play in the first quarter of the season, through the month of September, because you're working so many guys in and out of the lineup. You were getting Carson back once back in week three. So you figure right there it's going to take some time for him and the offense to gel to try to get themselves on track. But you figure the defense pretty much coming back intact would be able to hold down the form. So today, I thought today could be the launching pad, the start point really for the 2018 season. Or if you looked at September as an extended preseason of sorts, you know, one that you know, good teams that typically have these deep playoff runs utilize it because you're a little more worn down in the offseason. I figure the Eagles would settle into that mold and all of a sudden start to take flight here in the second quarter of the season. But today was a day where I thought it would happen, and it just didn't. 
and this Minnesota Vikings team, it could have been had. Look, Kirk Cousins was dealing. They were not able to get really to him. They were able to get pressure on him, but he did a great job of escaping it. I think his mobility has been a little bit underrated, was pretty much flat out accurate throughout the course of the game, but really the dagger might have been when Kirk Cousins was backed up in his own end zone after the J.H.I. fumble, and he throws the ball deep down the right side off his back foot, and Am Thielen finds a way to come up with it, beating Jalen Mills down the sideline, and you just said at that point, you know, what can this defense do to get a big play? So speaking of the insider, Dave Spadaro and Amy Campbell, let's send it over to them as they are going to provide us with their insights from the game. And I think first and foremost, start with the reaction, seeing how the game unfolded there, Dave, late in the fourth quarter. And just your takeaways from a team that has just been so inconsistent and not able to find good footing here early in 2018. Yeah, I mean, I think the game is really kind of encapsulated by the turnover, the takeaway, Nigel Bradham, Eagles in Vikings territory, and then absolutely unable to do anything with it. A, a uh, intentional grounding, a you know just mistakes of its false start. So then they punt it, Amy. First and ten for the Vikings at the 11-yard line. Eagles defense can't get off the field. Yeah, I think to me, I, you, it was perfectly well said by you that the mistakes, the turnovers, the penalties at critical times, right? Sometimes it costs more than it does uh, those mistakes, those penalties. In this game, at the wrong time, you know, you talk about JJ, you know, nearly on the goal line there with the turnover and just unable to kind of capitalize on the opportunities that they had there. And uh, interesting, you know, going for it on fourth down in, in certain situations, and then uh, what we saw here, kind of at the end of the game, you know, a chance to a chance to to uh, you know get it uh, within reach there, and yeah. just unable to capitalize on that as well. Yeah. So our storylines here, mine was red zone efficiency, Eagles. Yeah one of four in the red zone, Vikings three of four in the red zone. And yours was the matchup Eagles secondary yeah. against the Vikings receivers. They battled for the most part, but again, not able to keep Adam Thielen down. Yeah. Big plays from Kirk Cousins who throws the ball to spots and the receivers go make plays. Well, and I was looking at the sacks on both sides, and of course I was wrong. Kirk Cousins only sacked one time. Carson Wentz sacked three times running for his life for a lot of this game. I don't think that's what you want to see. And if it was really any other quarterback, Carson's so dynamic and so mobile, but any other quarterback would have been sacked a lot more in this game with the pressure that the Vikings were able to get up front. And there were some key plays, Amy, that I wrote down. Third and one Eagles first possession. Usually that's a quarterback sneak. Instead, they pitch it to Josh Adams. Vikings sniffed it out. Wendell Smallwood in the red zone drops a pass when he's wide open on the sidelines. An interception that Carson Wentz threw under pressure, returned for a touchdown. Eagles in the red zone again, false start on Jason Peters. Another false start later, the Ajayi fumble. A yeah. sack when Carson Wentz in the red zone. So these are things, look, that just can't happen. And it's beyond just being inconsistent. There's a lack of focus. There's a lack of execution. And something's got to give here. The Eagles need a spark of consistency offensively. You can't go through another first half with just 91 yards of offense and expect to come back again and again and again. Yeah, like you said, that first half was ugly. The numbers not great for the Eagles in time of possession and first downs. And, and uh, like you said, the offensive yards absolutely dominated by the Vikings in that first half. And it seemed like they had some things going in the second half, but like you said, just not enough to get over the hump, especially with those costly mistakes at those times. Yeah, in, in an era, guys, where the league is seeing points scored at a record rate, yeah. the Eagles are scoring 21 points a game. Yeah. And this is really a shocking development. The yeah. offensive line not playing to the level it did last year. The receivers, the red zone, it all adds up to a yeah. two and three record here 
one week into October. Hard to believe. Yeah. Two and three. Wow, not what we were hoping to see here for the Eagles. Today. Short week for the Eagles, so they bounce back and get yeah. ready for the Giants on Thursday night. Amy, great job. Yeah. Back to Chris and Ike at the Novacare Complex. All right, Dave and Amy, thank you very much. Dave Spadaro is going to be in the locker room and have a complete coverage in his On the Inside com, and you can also download the Eagles live podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts as he'll get reaction from the players as well. So a lot to touch on there, Ike. So why don't we get into your three big takeaways from this game, and we'll kind of bullet point those and go through those more thoroughly. Well, when I look at this team, it's a lot of the same things that have, this team has struggled with all year. Let's start with the penalties. The Eagles are one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. That is a mark of not being disciplined. Talking about fundamentals, Doug harps on these things, and, and yet and still every week they come out and they still have crucial penalties at the wrong time. And I'm talking about pre-snap penalties, times where you're not lined up correctly, illegal procedures, things of that nature. You just can't have those when you're struggling to move the the football far too often they found themselves first and 15 first and 20 second and 15 you just can't have that indeed so getting on the penalties there you have so many situations where it's all of a sudden the Eagles because the big thing coming in this game was the Eagles had to get better situations on third down okay yeah. everyone says how did the Eagles win on third down and Fran Duffy and the Eagles game plan crew obviously you're part of that like they broke it down and the Eagles averaged third and ten Last week against the Titans, third and ten. You are not going to win in the NFL no. if you have that situation. So everyone says, well, Jeff, to execute better on third down. No, you got to win on first and second down to get yourself in better third down situations there. Mm -hmm. And the Eagles did a better job of that early on in this game. They would get to second and four, second and two. But as you meant, illegal formation penalties. And you say, all right, if that happens once throughout the course of the game, that's it's one thing. Three times, I can, I believe, there were illegal formation penalties. It's too often that all of a sudden you went from a second to two to a third and 12 situation, yeah. and you're not going to get the first down, and you're going to give the ball right, right back to the Vikings in that situation. Yeah. And, and the one uh, instance I'm thinking of, maybe you're thinking of the same one, it's second and two. They get eight yards on a carry on the first down. Then you get illegal procedure. Then you get false start or Jason Peters. Next thing you know, it's third and 12. Yep. Uh, this Vikings defense, I know they haven't been playing well uh, to this point in the season, but the personnel is still the same over there. And when you get in third and 12, it's going to be hard to convert that. I don't care who you're playing against in this league. And that's where the Eagles have found themselves far too often. I thought Dave hit on some other key things. I mean, you're talking about third and four in the red zone. Wendell Smallwood, you got the matchup you want. You got the Vikings confused. They don't even cover him out there in the flats. And he just drops the ball, has a first down. Now you catch that ball, it's first and goal from the five-yard line. So instead of getting three, their first three points of the game, maybe you have seven there. And another thing Dave uh, touched on, this league is begging for offenses to put points on the board week in and week out around the league. They're making it easy for you to score in this league nowadays. And yet the Eagles offense can't get more than 23 points. They're averaging 21 right now. It's been a struggle all year for this offense to put points on the board. And I just can't figure it out what it is other than they have, when they have opportunities, they usually hurt themselves. Two for five in the red zone. Can't have that. You need more touchdowns. Looked at this team last year as this was the number one team in red zone efficiency. They scored touchdowns last year when they got down there. This year, far too many field goals. I think it really comes down. It's third down in red zone. Carson Wentz was the best quarterback in the game in yes. both of those situations, situational football. Both of those items, he was the best last year. And it's not certainly all on him. 
It's this offense is not executing. The biggest thing, and I think you hit, like, is the red zone. The Eagles have been able to move the ball. They've gotten themselves in scoring position. They've just not been able to finish drives whatsoever. So, number one there, you went with penalties. What are your no, number two item there, your big takeaway from the game? Well, it's self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, I mean, and that's – that. I mean, you can add that to the penalties. You can – I mean, whether it's a fumble by Carson. I mean, this Minnesota Vikings team – while they moved the ball a couple of times in the first half, the defense was able to hold them to field goal attempts. They missed the field goals. And you get a 3-3 ball game in the second quarter, and Carson fumbles the ball. You know, another sack there. That leads to the Vikings scoring seven points right there. You talk about the Vikings being backed up uh, late, I mean, in, in the third quarter. That pass to Adam Thielen. You can't have that. You got the coverage there. You have to make the play on the ball. It's just far too often. Bad call on uh, um, uh, Michael Bennett, yep. you know. The, the rough in the quarterback penalty, I thought he was being blocked into, the, into him. But still, you got an opportunity to get off the field. You get a big sack there, possibly hold the Vikings to three points. Yet, yet and still, you get the penalty call. They get seven before they go in before half to push that lead to 17-3. Yeah, I was going to say 17-3 versus 13-3. Huge yeah. difference, and maybe with the way Bailey was kicking, maybe he misses that, and it's only 10-3. And again, you got the ball to Coming start out. the second half. Then you move the ball to start the second half. You have an impressive drive, and then J.H.I. loses that the football. That was about to be my next point. You know, I mean, right you come there, out of the it's... locker room ready to go, fired up, ready to get yourself back in this game. 17-3 is nothing in this league. The game was nowhere near over. So you're getting the ball out coming out of the half. Move the ball down the field, great. You get down there, man, you got to protect the ball. You have to protect the ball. Sometimes when there's nothing there, you have to just go down. But if, if nothing else, you have to secure the football. There's an opportunity at worst to put three points on the board right there, and maybe a 17 to 6. But at least you get points with your exactly. first drive. It's deflating to move the ball all the way down the field like that and then have yourself uh, where you fumble the ball, really where – it shouldn't have happened. I mean, that's he, he's a veteran running back. He knows that when you're in a crowd like that, you got to put both hands on the ball, trying to run sideways to make something happen. It's just begging for trouble. And then immediately following that, you get the big play to Adam Thielen uh, to get the Minnesota Vikings out of that hole. Thankfully, the Eagles defense was able to hold him to three points there. But still, still you flipped the field point, position. Though. That's three more points you gave up. You took three off your end and put three on their end. So, you know, when you look at the final numbers, it's 23-21 is the final score. Vikings win. But the Eagles, much like last week, much like last week, they're going to be tossing and turning over this game because they know they had – multiple opportunities to, to pull this game out. The, the thing is, last week you figure, with the way they lost, in a situation where they led by 14 in the second half, to give up that lead, to go to overtime, offense gives you a lead, and then you have three chances to get off the field on fourth down, and we all know how the game ended. So you figure, okay, that was the le learning lesson right there, okay? You had that really bad experience. You want to get that taste out of your mouth. You want to get back at home where the Eagles have dominated and unfortunately, the defense came out flat. And that's the most disappointing thing for me coming out of this was this is where no one could score. You have to go back to week nine of last year when the Eagles routed the Denver Broncos by a score of 51-23. That's the last time this defense allowed more than 17 points at home. And the, the Eagles had or the Vikings had 17 points going into halftime. That's just how much different of a ball game this was today. You figure the Eagles were invincible at home, but they lost that momentum. They lost that part of the edge today, and that's what's so discerning moving forward. Because the fact is the Eagles, who are 2-3, and three, 
but the slow starts are the things that are really, really disappointing because coming into this game, the Eagles were outscored by 13 points in the first quarter of ball games this season. Okay, the Vikings were worse than that, being outscored by 14 points in the first quarter of games this season. So neither team this year has been able to get off to a good start, and the Vikings kind of fumbled around. They had a couple of misses by Bailey. The Eagles were still right there in the ball game, but Dave touched on this point, and we can get into some more. The offensive line just is not blocked in pass protection, and that was the other bugaboo from last week, okay? What was the turning point of last week's game up in the second half? It was Harold Landry beats Lane Johnson off the edge, gets the sack, and then all of a sudden, Mario is able to lead the drive for a touchdown, okay? Today, it's Lane Johnson gives up the sack to Stephen Weatherly, and Linville Joseph goes marching down the field, picks up the fumble, rumbles his way down for a touchdown, and the Vikings are up 10-3, to and that's where you started to feel like this, this could be trouble for the offense. So the yeah. fact that the offensive line as a whole, it's not just on Lane Johnson, but overall not protecting Wentz as well this year as opposed to last season is something that the Eagles really have to take a look at moving forward to try to fix this offense. Because it, it all starts up front. Yeah. You know, this offensive line was flat dominating teams last season, both in the run and the pass game. That's why it was named the league's best offensive line. That just has not been the case here in 2018. And you're looking to those big-name guys. Many people will say Lane Johnson is the best tackle in football, or at least he was in 2017, but that hasn't been the case here. You know, and Steven Wisniewski, he was benched for Isaac Sayamal today. So the Eagles are trying to make the change up front, trying to get something going there. You saw Halapula Vadi Vitae coming in as an extra offensive lineman to add a little more beef up front there. But still, just not enough to get the job done. And Wentz finds himself trying to evade pressure, having to work some magic in the pocket. You know, and to his credit, he's able to a lot of times make something out of nothing. But still, you're asking for way too much of the quarterback as this offense overall is struggling. So when you look at the things that are going wrong, and I think really Ike's takeaways from this game are kind of a microcosm of the Eagles through the first five games. It's way too many penalties. Yeah. And on the second one, too many self-inflicted wounds, mainly the turnovers. That's the biggest thing there is when you look at what's going wrong and why the Eagles are at two and three is they're giving up the ball way too often. They're committing way too many self-inflicted wounds, and they're just not scoring. Even though they're moving the ball at a decent rate, they're just not able to get the job done. And the last takeaway for you, Ike, from this game, kind of touched on already, is the defense with those explosive plays. Yeah, defensively, I mean, we're giving up way too many X plays. I know Jim Swartz likes to harp on this all the time. They don't like giving up explosive plays, plays of 20-plus yards. And this has been a bugaboo for this defense. They haven't struggled in many areas. I mean, they still will keep points off the board. They, you know, the uh, the Vikings were just one of four, I believe, in the red zone today. So the Eagles defense doing a nice job holding the Vikings to three points at times. And then plus seven of that 23 is attributed to the offense and not the defense. So they really did only give up, what, 16 points today as a defense. But the biggest plays to me and they came at the wrong times is where you're giving up big plays whether it's to uh, Stefan Diggs the Adam Thielen play you know big plays on third down where you need to get off the field and the Vikings are finding ways to convert those third downs uh, the explosive plays have been the biggest thing I think that have hurt the Eagles defense all year long and I don't I'm not sure we haven't had a game in five weeks where they haven't give up explosive plays no. it seems like they're no. giving up a couple of them every game and that's something that needs to get fixed because this is a passing league. Teams see this stuff on film, and they're going to continue to throw at your secondary week in and week out until you prove that you can stop it. What did you think of the secondary's performance overall, knowing coming into this game that Kirk Cousins 
was going to get rid of the ball quickly. They were not going to let him just sit there in the pocket. The Vikings have John DeFilippo, the former Eagles off, uh, Eagles cornerbacks coach, who's now the offensive coordinator of the Vikings. And there were times where you were just seeing some of the plays straight out of the Eagles playbook there run on the field tonight at the link. I agree. I, I thought the secondary was up and down today. Uh, I thought they tackled well when they had the opportunity to. Um, but still, balls thrown over your head at times. We're still playing soft coverage where we're giving up stuff underneath. Uh, I thought Stephon Diggs had way too many opportunities to run after he caught the ball and was able to do something with it. All right, let's send it over to the link. Head coach Doug Pearson speaking now to the media. Well, um, penalties and turnovers, unwanted turnovers, quite honestly. And you can focus. A lot of those are happening in the red zone. And they're self-inflicted. And those are things that we have to correct in a big-time hurry. Last year, um, when you ran QB sneaks with Carson Wentz, you had it with almost perfect success, I think. And we haven't really seen that this year. Is there apprehension with his uh, recovery? And is there is there maybe a reason with Kelsey? No, or no apprehension. Um, obviously, this is a new season, and it was a full one. I usually go for it in that situation if it's under one, and um, it wasn't. So. Fourth and twenty in the fourth quarter. Why did you let the punt there as opposed to the long field goal? Uh, right decision to punt the football um, with time left, and, and um, it was a situation where that we, we've talked about in practice. You know, uh, try to get them to unique formation, try to get them to jump. You know, we can either take a shot or get the five yards, and now we're in a field goal range situation. It wasn't a desperation kick at the time, um, and guys that did the right thing, we ended up punting and down the ball. Range going to the game. Thirty-five. Yes, correct. I think we're at the forty. If you don't look uh, too happy, what did you say to the team after the game? I just told them that, uh, you know, um, that basically uh, I was going to walk in this room and just I was going to take it for the team because the way the way we've been um, playing and performing, it starts with me. And I want to make sure that the guys understand that uh, we can't do these things. We can't, we can't self-inflict. Um, and expect to win. Championship teams just don't do that, and uh, we're doing that right now. So I have to self-examine myself first. Starts with me, and uh, you know those guys are those guys are busting their tail. So um, we're gonna we're gonna get it fixed. Starts with me. Hey, Doug. This week you talked about having a sense of urgency early, but you wanted to see, thought you saw it in practice, but wanted to see it in the game. First quarter was not good offensively. Did you think about tempo in this game? Because it seems like Carson gets into. We just didn't have enough touches in the first quarter. I think we had, what, six, seven, eight, something like that in the first quarter. We just didn't have enough, enough time. You know, we just didn't have the ball. Uh, and, and you know, we, we talked about it on the sideline, getting into a rhythm. But you go back out there, and then, boom, you get a spark. You get a big pass, big play. And then a couple times we were on the ball. And next thing you know, we were in the red zone. And, and then, um, you know, we got into our red zone offense. So. We were able to do it at times, um, but but the play either before that sprung and and we got good yardage on it, uh, or or it was a you know a situation where it was a, you know a penalty and it backed us out on first down. You burned a couple timeouts. One of the challenges and one on the fourth and one where you the clock was running down. They they turned out to be huge late. What what happened on those two things? Um, the. Um, the challenge I thought I saw um, where I was at that uh, obviously a second foot was down, the third step was out of bounds on the white stripe, and so what I had seen was wasn't sure quite at the time and looking at you know getting the replay that 
his second step was in, third step, so I wanted to challenge at that big play of the game. Um, could have been a big, you know, momentum swing right there at that time. So wanted to get that challenge in there. And then the second one, you asked me the fourth and one. Yes, you guys went on the score, but you had to use a timeout fourth and one before you. The play clock was running. Oh, uh, we were on we were on offense. Um, yeah, the play clock was running down, about to hit zero. So um, just use the timeout right there to make sure we had the right call on. What did you see on the, the Michael Bennett rubbing the basketball game? What if anything were you given by the way of the explanation? Um, it, those are hard. They're they're hard situations. Uh, I'm going to look at the TV copy. I'll look at the, you know obviously the coach's tape, you know, briefly, and 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 see. But um, you know it's it's tough, uh, unfortunate. You know, um, rules the rule, and and we got to abide by. It. Coach, you've been concerned about the inconsistency of your offense for the entire year. Even in the games you won, the offense seemed to kind of move and fit some starts. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I've been saying. Um, we're self-inflicted. You know, we're we're shooting ourselves with penalties, turnovers um, that are that are hurting our offense. You know, we're, we 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 seem to move the ball fine out in the field, but then you know, red zone, third down are areas that uh, um, you know a heightened awareness uh, when we get in the red zone, ball security, all those things we talk about from day one OTAs, um, we're not doing. So we got to get back to that. What is the calculation in your mind when you're going for the two-point conversion there? If you could share that with us. The calculation? Yeah, yeah. The calculation was to go for two. If I make it, a touchdown wins the game. Or if I don't, I know what I need to do. i got to go touchdown, two-point to tie, or to win. I have to tie at the end. No, you, you made I the move. That's right, right? Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's that's pretty simple calculation right there. The, the change. Yeah. No, you made the move at left guard. Uh, why did you do it? Why did you feel the need to do it? And do you think it worked out to your satisfaction? Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously, uh, in fairness of uh, both Isaac and, and Stefan, I want to make sure that, that we evaluate the film on this. And, and it's going to be hard though because, you know, it's a short week, short turnaround. We're on to the Giants, so. Um, I thought, you know, initially he, he played well, Isaac played well. Um, you know, we'll evaluate it again and, and make the decision moving forward. You talk about penalties after the fumble, I believe, illegal formation there, procedure penalty, and then a grounding, so three straight plays there. Why are, are those penalties happening in such a, a veteran team? Well, um, the illegal formation one is, is, is just uh, – there's really no excuse for that. I mean, that's just a, it's a mental error offensively, and uh, we can't we can't do that. Um, the intentional grounding, I, I understand. I mean, Carson was trying to break out of the pile, and, and I think I think Nelson was in front of him, and and I'm not sure if the ball quite made it to the line of scrimmage at the time, and, and so obviously by rule it could be a you know intentional grounding, and and those are just those are just wounds that we can't we can't continue to make, um, and and we'll learn we'll learn you know guys will learn guys are. Guys are sick to their stomach, you know, and, and they hate this feeling. So uh, we got to get it uh, fixed pretty quick. Who's the illegal formation Um I'm not going to get into that, but uh, we just got to make sure we coach it better. A couple more things. Doug, the, the, uh, the mental errors seem to be the glaring thing compared with last year, compared to most teams that are that are really good. To what do you attribute that? Well, it starts with me. I got to do a better job of installing, you know, installing the plays. I got to make sure the guys are, are ready to play during practice, and it starts with me. And I'm gonna, you know, make sure that they're ready to go this week. Is this week a, a tough week to? It's hard. Start? I mean, it's hard. You're on a you're on a short week, and you got a quick turnaround, and 
you know, we're back in the building tomorrow and we're working and getting getting ready for uh, for Thursday night. But, you know, one thing that I've learned uh, through my experience in the NFL is uh, um, getting back on the field right away is, is, is kind of a good remedy, you know, for the team, for the coaches, and, and, that, and that's our focus starting tomorrow. Three sacks and eight hits. Is Carson getting hit too much, do you think? I mean, obviously you want to eliminate as many as you can, you know, reduce the number of hits. Uh, Active quarterback, you know he's going to move, and and uh, you know made some great plays tonight with his legs, and and found some found some uh, holes to run and, and to throw out of. But you know uh, we just continue to talk to him and and uh, uh, make sure that you know he is protecting his body. He did a nice job of getting down a couple times too, and you know he's so aggressive, and and that's that's what I love about him. You know he's aggressive, he can spin out, he's strong, he does some great things back there in the pocket, and. Um, you know, and then and then he can do some great things extending plays. So, yeah, there's a fine line, obviously, but uh, uh, I want to make sure that uh, you know we're we're right up against that line. All right, this head coach Doug Pearson addressing the media, basically saying his message to the teammates was, "Look, to the players was, I'm going to go out there and take it for the team here. He's putting the blame all on himself, and I mean that's what the head coach is supposed to do in a situation like this." Uh, before we get into some more of the game analysis, I want to give a shout out to the fans out there because it was noted on the broadcast. I'm, I'm here in the studio in our offices here at the Novacare Complex throughout the course of the game. So, you know, we see an in-stadium fee. We get to see the, uh, you know, we hear the Merrill Mike broadcast. We see the Fox telecast. And the fans could have easily packed it in when it was 20-3. Yeah. But they, they brought the heat there in the fourth quarter and gave, you know, Kirk Cousins as much of a headache as possible and tried to rally this team. So a little, little love to Eagles fans because I know how difficult it is right now with the feeling that the team is 2-3. and three. Now, one of the topics Coach Pearson was uh, addressed there was the fact that the Eagles have the short week. Thursday night game, it's first division game of the year, going to the New York Giants, a team, you know, they're licking their own wounds because they lost on a 62-yard field goal you know, to the Carolina Panthers today in walk-off fashion, almost very similar to the way that they lost to the yeah. Eagles and Jake Elliott in week three here last season. So, like your thoughts with the fact that coming off a second straight loss, a bitter defeat, that you only have a couple days to get things ramped up before you're back on the field on the road on Thursday night. I think it's a good thing for the Eagles. I mean, listen, this is the second straight difficult loss the, that this team has had to endure. Um, listen, a short week. They're not going to have much time to, you know, harp on this game. They may or may not watch the film on this thing tomorrow, but they have to get ready for the Giants. They're going to be leaving Wednesday. That's three days from now. So you basically have two days to get prepared, get as much film work done as you possibly can to get prepared for the Giants. Because if you think you feel bad right now at two and three after two straight losses, imagine what you're going to feel like if you lose three in a row in your first divisional game, and now you're looking at two and four. So they have to put this game behind them. Uh, you get 24 hours, if that, to really let this thing linger. But the Giants are up next, and the Giants are licking their wounds. They had a tough loss today where they fought to get back in that game against the Carolina Panthers and really should have won the ball game. I thought Carolina really blew that game late. But, you know, um, is it Graham Gano, I believe it is? Uh, yep. 63-yard game winning field goal. I mean, uh, unbelievable uh, for the Carolina Panthers to pull that game out. But I thought the Giants played well enough and fought to get back in this game that – they should have walked out of Carolina with the, with the victory. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond after that loss. You know, you're going to get two teams facing each other Thursday night where there's some, you know, some bad blood because 
we know how this NFC East is, and when you talk about the Eagles and the Giants, you know there's no love lost between these two teams. I tell you what, whichever team loses the game Thursday night, you may be, you may be thinking wanna, about 2019. I go down that yeah. road. But for the Giants, but you that's know the type of game thinking. it is. Yeah, but that's what the Giants are yeah. going to be thinking going into. It. They're like, wait a second, the Super Bowl champs are coming to our house. They're licking their wounds after a loss, losing two straight games. They're two and three. We're one and four. Giants might realize this ain't going to be it for us here. We're right. First year of Coach Shermer, we're trying to get things, you know, back going in the right direction. But we can spoil the Super Bowl champs' defending season. We can do that. Sort of like how the Eagles did to the Giants coming off the Super Bowl win in the 2007 season, where Giants win the Super Bowl. 2008, the Giants were the ones seed going into the playoffs. Eagles go up to the Meadowlands in the divisional round and upset Eli Manning and the Giants and then advanced to the NFC Championship game before losing to the Arizona Cardinals. So it's going to be a fun one on Thursday night. Hopefully the Eagles will get their mindset in the right frame for that showdown. So Coach Peters will really touch on everything that we've said early on in the show, all the big takeaways, the penalties, the turnovers, the self-inflicted wounds, and the red zone performance. Something, again, that was a strength for the Eagles last year is just not the case here in 2018. So the voice of the fans, none other than Merrill Reese, it was outstanding in the broadcast booth once again, teaming up with another Hall of Famer in Mike Quick. We bring you the highlights of the game through the voices of Merrill and Mike in our feature, Merrill Cam. Dan Bailey kicks it and hits the upright, and it's no good. It hit the left upright. He had a chip shot. He had a chip shot. Well, that's even better. They go with the fullback again. Eye under. Now the fullback, C.J. Ham goes in motion to the near side of the field. Under center is Cousins, who takes his drop. He steps up. He's hit. He's sacked. They've got him. Brandon Graham, his first sack of the season. Wentz in the gun. He's got a Jai to his right. Three receivers. Motion. Alshon Jeffrey. This time, back goes Wentz. He's looking. He is going deep. And it is caught! It is caught! What a great catch downfield by Shelton Gibson! He took it away from the defender! And I love the way he fought for that ball. They go max protection here. They bring in an extra guy, and it's basically a two-man route. Carson's looking for the big one down the field, and it's not the perfect thing, but what is perfect is the way Sheldon Gibson goes up and fights for the football. That's a big, big play. 48 yards. Here's a 30-yard field goal attempt by Jake Elliott to tie the game. Ball is spotted. Kick is up. And the kick is good, and it's 3-3. This is going to be a 45-yard attempt for Dan Bailey. Ball is spotted. The kick is away, and the kick is no good. He's one for three. He missed another one. Dan this Bailey, listen, they picked Dan Bailey up after week two because they were having these same types of problems after two weeks of the season. So it will be fourth down and five and the field goal unit comes on that will not be a popular decision but it's the only decision you can make yeah it's with 322 to go in the third quarter you need points if you get it up to where you've got a yard to yeah, go two yards story. to go for the first down it's completely different but you have to try and get the points in this situation eagles need points they've shown that they can move the football 
Here it is. A 27-yard field goal attempt. Spotted, kicked up good. And finally, that three disappears and turns into a six. Thanks, as always, to Sports Radio 94 WIP for allowing us to provide our bird's eye view through Merrill Cam to get a glimpse of how they are experiencing the action on the field. So let's get into our turning points of the game here as we wait for quarterback Carson Wentz. And I'm going to start things off here because as a former defensive player, I want your take on this as well. For me, it was the end of the first half. Eagles are already down 10 to 3. Vikings are driving. And all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins dropped back, okay, getting close to the goal line. Michael Bennett comes up with a huge sack, and you figure, great, you know, push him back. Might be a field goal. Maybe with the way Dan Bailey's performing, you might miss it. And you might be able to hold it to 10-3 or at worst 13-3 going into halftime. And you would say to yourself, look, for all the opportunities that the Vikings had, the Vikings flout dominated the Eagles in the first half all across the board. From time of possession, offense, defense, the whole nine, the Vikings flat out had control of the game. However, it was just a 10-point game, would have been a 10-point game, and the Eagles would have gotten the football. But Michael Bennett was called for roughing the passer. Now, Howard Eskin from the Sports Radio 94 WIP Eagles radio broadcast talked to the referees at halftime, and they said that the flag was thrown because Bennett rolled on Cousins' leg. Tough one to call there because, first of all, Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, looked like he was basically blocking Bennett to the ground, so Bennett is falling. Bennett started at the waist of Cousins and took him as gently as you could to the ground. You know, with the penalties that have been called on players like Clay Matthews throughout the course of the season, you know, there have been memes and videos and jokes about how defenders have to basically pick up the quarterback and gently place the quarterback on the ground on a pillow to make sure they don't get called for a penalty. Bennett did as close as you could to in that situation and still got the flag. You know, was it low? It was largely because Bennett, again, was being pushed into him, but Bennett still started at the waist before going down to pull him to the ground. So all of a sudden, you know, first down, fresh set of downs, you know, the, the crowd was irate. You could tell the defense was frustrated, and Cousins, you know, th tosses a dime to Adam Thielen in the back corner of the end zone, and it's 17-3 going into halftime. So that was my turning point because at that point you just felt like Nothing was going right for the Eagles. You, you said at the beginning of the show that the Eagles were already beating themselves. They didn't need the referees right. to help out any further. But just as from your perspective as a former defensive player, what is a guy supposed to do in that situation when you're trying as hard as you can? And you understand that the league is built on offense. And we, we were talking about earlier, sure. the league wants points, okay? They're going to protect the quarterback at all costs. But what is a defensive player supposed to do in that situation when you're that close? When a guy who has the escapability of Kirk Cousins, who's able to make plays with his feet as well. It's difficult. It's difficult when it's traffic there. In other words, when you're being blocked by someone and you're trying to defeat that blocker and get to the quarterback, it's difficult for a defensive player to control where he's going to hit a quarterback at. So, you know, um, I certainly empathize with the defensive players, and I, I understand what the offense, I mean, what the league is trying to do when they're trying to protect these quarterbacks. Former teammate of mine, a guy who's Roger Goodell's right-hand man, and Troy Vincent, I've had plenty of conversations with him about this whole thing and what they're trying to get established. They want to protect quarterbacks. That's what they want to do. And these, these referees, if they see anything in the gray area, they're going to lean towards protecting the quarterback, throwing a flag there. I don't think that's a flag a year ago. 
a year ago, that's not a flag. But for whatever reason, this year, they're trying to overemphasize some of these some of these calls in an effort to protect the quarterback. The thing that's frustrating for fans and for defensive players primarily is that there is no consistency. Yes. It's such a it's such a judge judgment call and it's so subjective to who's making the call. You just don't know sometimes whether or not it's a good hit. We saw Carson Wentz when he was sacked last week and fumbled. He was hit right in the helmet, you know, as he was being sacked. And you would think, okay, that's a blow to the head. Why isn't that being called in favor of Carson Wentz to protect him? You know, they let that go. And then you get a ticky-tack play like this with Michael Bennett on the back of the legs of Kirk Cousins. It just I, I, it's frustrating for defensive players. But I also understand that I have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, that we don't want to miss any time either. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? We know when our defense are hitting guys, we want them to, give, to be given the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, sure. I want Carson Wentz protected. But it doesn't seem like we're getting the calls that some of these other quarterbacks are getting. Speaking of Carson Wentz, let's send it over to the link where number 11 is standing by. Another uh, slow start for the offense today. Can you pinpoint why that was? I can't. I can't, unfortunately. Slow start, something that we, we preach all the time. We talk about it every every week that we want to start fast. And, uh, you know, credit to the Vikings coming out and making some stops. Um, yeah, we just did a slow start. How did you prevent uh, this, this? How do you get out of the way of that sack fumble? Or can you feel that pressure coming? It's just a happening. I mean, uh, my eyes were the other way. Um, my, if I was looking the other side of the field, I probably would have avoided it and been just fine, but um, that's football. You guys are down six, get a fumble recovery, and then three straight penalties to not do that. Why does that happen to be a veteran team? Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, those are things that, I mean, we got to take a real hard look in the mirror. Um, little mistakes like that, and kind of the same thing I really echoed last week after the game. Um, these little mistakes that sometimes can go overlooked are just killing us. And we're playing like we're a young uh, rookie team and we're not. And so we got to really be hard on ourselves and, and learn from these mistakes and uh, turn it around fast. How frustrating was that drive specifically to get the ball with great field position and not capitalize? Yeah, very frustrating. I mean, we you know, went down, scored, had the momentum, got the ball back uh, in a great position, and then we just go backwards, backwards, backwards. And um, yeah, I mean, it's extremely frustrating. Are you feeling more pressure uh, in certain circumstances? Certain circumstances, do you feel it when blitzes versus four-man rushes? Is there anything that you feel like they're getting more pressure? I don't think so. Um, you know, it's just been kind of the nature of the game. You know, unfortunate sacks and little things here and there that, again, we got to keep cleaning up. Um, and I mean, the same thing goes for the last couple of weeks. It's it's not one guy's fault. It's not just the line. It's not just the backs. It's a lot of me. It's it's everything. And um, yeah, we got to clean it up though. And what was Malcolm's message when you kind of addressed the team? In the yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the beautiful thing for us right now is it's a fast turnaround. You know, we get the, the bad taste out of our mouth fast and, uh, you know, go on the road uh, to New York. Uh, Thursday night will be here before we know it. So it's it's really coming tomorrow, ready to work and get ready for New York. So, um, like I said, just put this one behind us, learn from it. But, uh, yeah, we don't have to dwell on it too long. Carson, the NFL is enforcing a lot of rules to protect quarterbacks. Um, I'm interesting, interested in what your point of view is looking at the one against Michael Bennett and, and what do you make of, of the rules and how they're enforced? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't see that one. Um, I know it's, I mean, I know the refs are, are in a tough spot uh, with, with some of the new rules and um, it's unfortunate uh, when, it, when it happens against you. 
but uh, yeah, I didn't actually see the play, so I don't have a real comment on it. How do you feel just in terms of the flow of the game, getting, you know, this is your third game back now, where do you kind of feel like you're at? Yeah, I mean, personally, I feel fine. You know, obviously, we're um, kind of have some ebbs and flows as an offense, slow start, and it seemed like we got some momentum, then we hurt ourselves again, and, um, you know, it, it seems like, I kind of feel like that's where we were two years ago. You know, like we were that young team making these mistakes, kind of having those ebbs and flows last year. Uh, you didn't see a lot of that. Um, and so uh, the veteran team that we have, a lot of the guys, I mean, I, I'm confident that we'll fix it. I'm confident that we'll turn it around, but um, it's frustrating right now. During practice this week before it started, you even emphasized kind of eliminating the self-inflicted wounds. What's the next step? It seems like everyone's harping on it, but you can't kind of get that message through. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. Again, if we don't get that fixed, we're going to lose a lot of games. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I know the guys in that locker room. Uh, I know guys are going to play with a sense of urgency. They're going to come tomorrow ready to work, and, and that's something that uh, I haven't really feared. You know, even my, my rookie year when we were technically out of the playoffs, um, there's no quit in these guys. You know, we're not just going to lay down three and uh, two and three. Like we're not just going to stop. Um, we're going to get a fix, and we're going to be we're going to be all right. I posit you made a in the but the defense the Vikings has, especially when you get that turnover and you're in their territory, and they, they had to couldn't get any score on that. How how but they they kind of get you guys out of that. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I mean, we hurt we hurt ourselves. You know, we hurt ourselves, had some self-inflicted wounds. Um, but at the same time, hats off to them. You know, they, they got good players over there. Uh, seems like we both know each other pretty well at this point, uh, having played the last couple of years. So uh, hats off to them for making plays, and, and we just got to clean it up. The Wendell that went, went through his hand, was that was that just you saw that no one was covering him, or was that the, where it was designed to go? Yeah, that was just we, we both saw made eye contact, and um, Harrison was just ro- running over there quick. And, uh, yeah, it just happened. Five straight games now where you haven't scored more than 23 points. Is, is this offense doing enough for you guys to be a contender this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're going to be. You know, I'm not hanging, hanging my head and uh, dwelling on it. You know, I, we know what we're capable of. We know we have the potential. We know we have the right guys. Um, and one thing that we, we seem to always do, Coach does a great job of putting guys in the right spots. Uh, again, it's really the same thing. We just got to stop killing ourselves, and um, I know, I know, we'll get this thing right back on track. Does the offense miss the input of Frank Reich and John D. Filippo? I mean, obviously, we, we we miss those guys. You know, they were great, but I mean, Coach Crow, Press Taylor. Um, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit this week in, in the press conference, but I mean, it's been an extremely smooth process with those guys. I love working with those guys every day, and um, I, I don't think that's any issue in, in our slow, uh, slow start here. You converted every quarterback sneak last season on third and one in the first half. Was there any conversation, and is, there, is, there, is, is your health one of the reasons why they, they didn't go to there? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. You know, other than um, we saw that that play on film, thought it, thought it would be a good one, thought we could not just get you know, a couple feet, but thought we could get a big play out of it. And um, their defensive end made a great play. Hey, Carson, you got a deep ball to Shelton. What does he add to the offense, just the ability to stretch things? Yeah, I mean, you said it. He's got the ability to take the top off the defense. Um, and, uh, you know, he, we see him in practice kind of every week, just keep getting better and keep building his confidence. And, um, you know, we put him in there in, in position to, to make plays and do what he's good at. And uh, he made a great play tonight. Have you guys missed that dimension? Season. Um, obviously, we haven't hit, you know, many many deep balls and, and everything, and it's hard to say. Obviously, we'd love to get those, and we had a handful of those last year. But at the same time, uh, a lot of it is what the defense is doing to us. 
you know, there's not a ton of opportunities. A lot of teams are playing soft zone against us, making us earn it. Um, so we just got to pick and choose wisely. And, you know, I mean, it was good to see Shelton make that one tonight. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be more of that in the future. What's your actual level of concern at this point? I mean, it's not early in the year anymore. Right. I mean, uh, frustrated, yes. Concerned, no. I mean, I think we have, again, kind of just echoing what I said. I mean, we have veteran guys on this team, guys that have been through it all, um, that, that know how to win. And uh, I think we're going to get this thing going the right way. Thanks, Carson. Thanks, guys. All right. Quarterback Carson Wentz saying that at times we're playing like a young rookie team, but he remains confident that they're going to get things turned around, and he embraces the fact that the next game comes so quickly off the heels of this loss on Thursday night against the New York Giants. Uh, basically also saying that the mindset of the guys in the locker room there's no quit. It is a veteran-laden team. It is the right group of guys that you want to go through this type of hellish situation because you're going to find out what you have on the other side. And this is a time when, you know, fingers can start to be pointed and things can start to unravel. It is going to be key for Coach Pearson and the leaders to keep things intact as they get ready for a tough divisional matchup on Thursday night with the Giants. So I offer my turning point right before we heard from Carson Wentz uh, for you. Yours, I came in the second half as the Eagles were making a comeback and, in fact, making things very interesting there late in the game. Yeah, I mean, just when you thought all the momentum was starting to switch to the Eagles' side of the football, you know, it was a great turnover there. It um, was a lateral pass from Kirk Cousins. Great job by the Eagles defenders jumping on that ball. And then you get, you're, in, you're in scoring position just from the recovery uh, as far as getting three points. But we go backwards. We go backwards. We wind up having an in-the-grasp penalty, which is like one of the worst penalties to have because you get the yardage loss and the down is lost. So now they're out of field goal range. It's third and 20. Carson hits Alshon Jeffrey with a great throw on third and 20. Would have had the first down from the naked eye, but at worst, if he holds on to that ball, it's fourth and one. Now you got a decision either kick the field goal or go for it right there when the score is 20 to 14. And we wind up with no points out of that turnover. I just thought that was critical. I thought it was deflating. That was the opportunity for the Eagles to really seize on the momentum that they had gained and really have the Minnesota Vikings start to question themselves. See, when your team has lost all sorts of ways, like the Vikings have uh, through this early portion of the season. That was a, a, a situation right there where if you get points out of the drive at a minimum three, now the Vikings are saying to themselves, oh, here we go, here we go. Because that's what bad teams do when they see a game slipping away. And that game was slipping away from the Vikings late. The Eagles got the ball. They got a great opportunity there, but they didn't capitalize on it. Getting no points there, I thought was a killer. I mean, I just thought it was a killer because then the Vikings get the ball back and they go down and kick a field goal. Exactly. They go down and kick a field goal there and now it's a nine-point lead. It's a two-score game. They're more than willing to give up uh, a touchdown as long as you eat up the clock trying to score. That's exactly what happened. I thought when the Eagles recovered that fumble there, I said to myself, this is where we take the game. I truly believe that the Eagles were going to go down and score a touchdown they there. At that point. They had you knew they all had the momentum, it. and I thought Alshon was starting to cook. I thought he and Carson were starting to hook up, and we went backwards. I mean, he we, had the fourth down conversion early in the game, so yeah. it wasn't like he hadn't come up with clutch plays already in this game. It was just you haven't seen that from him. Yeah. Usually when they go to him in a big situation, he comes up with it. 
for whatever reason, just wasn't able and, to do it. And, and you got to get a Vikings uh, defender there a lot Harrison of credit. Smith. It's yeah. a good hit by Harrison Smith. It's one of those plays where, as a receiver, he caught the ball, but before he could land and really secure the ball, it was an impact right there, jarred the ball loose. Yeah. I, you can tell he kind of caught Alshon by surprise with the hit, but that's a big guy. You got to be able to protect the football and yourself, knowing that if you're going in, a, in the middle of the field versus a zone, somebody's going to be there to hit you. All right, so one of our favorite parts of this postgame show is we get a one-on-one exclusive with the head coach, Doug Peterson. And Mike Quick, you know, goes from the radio broadcast booth to down outside the locker room. He always has some fascinating questions for Coach Peterson. I think Coach Peterson provides some excellent insight that he might not give to the reporters. So here's this one-on-one interview, Eagles Hall of Fame wide receiver Mike Quick and head coach Doug Peterson. Coach, uh, looking at the offense, you only scored seven points in the first quarter in five games. How do you really get to fixing that portion of the offense? That is something that's, uh, you know, something that we're very aware of um, and and something that uh, we try to emphasize even in practice by how we start in practice. I want to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything at the beginning of practice that allows us to start fast, meaning meaning we got to execute better we got to be right on point yeah. and and you know it starts there um and and quite frankly it you know we're doing we're doing things well to get down there we're coming away with either a field goal or in this case tonight a turnover you know some penalties and just things that have really kept us from scoring a couple touchdowns how frustrating is it when you have the pre-snap bonus and what do you do about that all the pre-snap stuff yeah, those are things that, um, that just flat out can't happen. Um, you know, those things we talk about going back to OTAs and, and the spring and training camp, and you know, um, it, 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 you know, it starts with me. I got to make sure when I we I get in a meeting that that you know I'm on point. And I'm I'm reiterating the fact that hey guys, we you know these are the things and show the players, show them exactly whether we agree with the call or not, whatever it might be, to show the players and show the uh, show the mistakes so that we can learn from them. You had trouble winning on third down again today, only two of nine in third down. Uh, where's the crux of that problem? A lot of times it comes from our first and second down execution. We're, yeah. we're, we're keeping ourselves in third and, you know, seven, eight, nine pluses, and those are those are tough. When teams just come out and flat out pin their ears back and rush the passer and give you exotic blitz looks, it's, it's hard. And so we're putting ourselves in in hard situations that we shouldn't be in and and we should be we you know we try to be in more of the third and two to threes and fours and fives where you can you can you can the throw is a little bit faster ball out coming out of Carson's hand a little bit faster and you still have the ability to run the football so uh, we're going to look at that and and uh you know we got to we got to get better you got a short week this week now how do you prepare and plan to Get ready for the New York Jazz on such a short week. Yeah, you know the biggest thing for for coaches and players in the National Football League is is one. Um, you know we're back to work tomorrow on another opponent, so we can flush this uh, loss uh, pretty quickly and get back out on the practice field and, and get ready for another one on a short week. But you know I have a lot of confidence in my staff, a lot of confidence in these coach these players, and um, you know we're we're gonna get we're gonna get this thing fixed, and that and that's starts with me. I'm gonna make sure I do everything I can to to help this football team and. and and, and be successful that way, and um, I look forward to get back out on the field tomorrow. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Thursday night. Thank you. All right, great stuff as always from Mike Quick, and special thanks to Coach Peterson for doing that right after a difficult loss. So, 
Uh, Coach Pierce had touched on something that we've talked about already on the show and just the third down conversions, two of nine. Didn't realize yeah. that was the total there, two of nine on third down. So I was actually trying to go through the game book to see what were those third down situations because, as we mentioned earlier, it was an average of third and ten last week against the Titans. So obviously you got to do better on first and second down. The disappointing thing is a couple of these third down situations in the first half, third and one, you're not converting. That's where they go for the toss play uh, to Wendell Smallwood. That doesn't succeed. And then a third and three, which they don't convert. So they were doing a better job of getting themselves into those third and manageable opportunities, but they're just not converting. And then in the second half, when you basically have no option but to convert at that point because you're behind so far by so much in the ball game that you're getting into third and 12, third and 20 situations. And the odds are you're just not going to make those on a consistent basis, especially when the defense can just back up and say, we can allow you to get the yards as long as you don't get in the end zone. That's perfectly fine with us. So we have more analysis coming up here on the post-game show presented by Rico. We're going to have our Rico review with Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell on the other side. However, if you are following us on Facebook or Twitter, you need to come on over to PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the app to watch the rest of the show. Much more here as we dissect the Eagles' latest loss to the hands of the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 23-21. to We'll see you all in a few. Trying to get home, but it feels like another life. Yeah, I'm trying to stay strong. Sometimes I realize that the further I go, the more that I know that I want to go home. When you and your money are treated with respect, you prosper. And at Santander Bank, respect adds up. See what's happening at your local Acme. Better sale prices, superior service, and great quality products. Cleaner, friendlier, fresher. Like fresher meat and seafood. And fresher produce, including organic. And our butchers cut our USDA choice Lancaster beef in store every day. So stop in, shop, and see for yourself why Acme is just better. Shop on game day and save 5% at Acme when wearing your Eagles apparel. Santander Bank, we want you to prosper. That's why we treat you and your money with respect. Learn more about how respect adds up at Santander by visiting SantanderBank.com. All right, welcome back to the post-game show presented by Rico. Uh, one injury concern for the Eagles early on in the season has been at running back where, again, no Darren Sproles. And while Corey Clement was active, I don't know if he played on offense. I think he was basically an emergency reserve to fill in if needed. 
Uh, Jay Ajayi had to miss a little bit of time, uh, banged up his knee during the course of the game, and of course he's battling that back injury. So top to bottom, you know, not a lot going on here with the running back position from a health standpoint. Uh, but good to see Wendell Smallwood step up once again in a much more expanded role, uh, showing tough running in between the tackles and also helped catching the ball. Of course, he had that one drop early on in, in the game, which was costly in the red zone, but came through later on, Ike, in a big way. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think anyone should be disappointed in what Wendell Smallwood has brought to the table this year, considering what the backfield has looked like. Uh, he's been one of the few guys that have been healthy for all five games. And I think the opportunities that he's that he's been able to get through the first five weeks of the season, he's made the most of most of them. Uh, but you can't have the plays like you had in the first quarter where you drop a ball at the four-yard line where it's an easy first down for you and it could be first and go. Great catch later on in the game. Had some nice, uh, tough running yards in between the tackle. He certainly deserves to be a part of this offense, and you like what he can contribute, but it's hard for coaches to have full trust in you when there's fear of that one or two plays where it's going to be like, oh, man, he didn't take care of that. But I thought Wendell had a good game today, and I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll, he'll be thinking about the play in the first half more than he will anything else he did today. But I thought it was a nice way to bounce back after that play, after that disappointing drop early. Really made a tough catch uh, for that touchdown late in the game. That's not an easy catch to make over your shoulder. And I thought they made the correct call. Couple steps in the end zone, knee down. Um, if it had been last year, that would not have been a touchdown. Yes. That would not have been a touchdown last year. But I thought it was the correct call. All right, speaking of that touchdown, how did that play come to life? Let's send it over to Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell, who break it down in our RICO review. All right, Greg, let's look at the play that really got the Eagles back in this football game late. They're down 20-6. to six. They're in the red zone. They haven't had much success in that area of the field, really, all, at all this season. They get a touchdown catch to Wendell Small. It would really draw this play up for us here. It's a really well-designed play. You see this formation all throughout the NFL in the red zone where you have trips to the field, three receivers to the field, and then on the boundary side you have an X receiver, the single receiver to the boundary. Here it's Alshon Jeffrey, and you have the back, Wendell Smallwood, offset to the same side, to the boundary. So you have two receivers in the boundary. Now what this normally means is that the defense, the corner, has to match up to the wide receiver. Whether it's a man concept or a zone concept, that corner must match up to the wide receiver, and that's exactly what happens here. Now because of that, again, there's only one player who can now play Wendell Smallwood, and that's a linebacker inside. And here it's Eric Kendricks. So what you're essentially setting up with the wheel route by Wendell Smallwood is you're essentially setting up a one-on-one -on -one matchup with your back on the linebacker. And that's exactly what happens here because Jeffrey runs his route and removes the corner. So let's play this, and you'll see exactly how this works you see Jeffrey run vertically, you see the wheel route, you get the matchup you want, the one-on-one, -on -one, and you get the touchdown. A well-designed, well-executed play. Yeah, certainly. You saw a nice job there from Carson Wentz yep. as well, uh, making sure that, that safety stayed in the middle of the field. Great throw, great catch, good execution there from the Eagles in the red zone. Just not, of just not enough of that here today. McDonald's, proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Great stuff as always from Fran and Greg, and you can check out the entire Rico re review tomorrow morning here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And make sure to read Fran's Eagle Eye in the Sky column, which will break down exactly what went wrong for the Eagles in today's loss to the Minnesota Vikings. And it'd be great to see if they can conjure up some more plays like that, Ike, in the red zone to try to get that on track. It's, I know that Coach Peterson and Carson Wentz were asked about the influence of John Filippo, who obviously left in the offseason to join the Vikings coaching staff. But to me, the coach, you have the right coaches here, okay? And this is still Doug Pearson's offense at the end of the day. But it is shocking to see how much of a drop-off there's been in the red zone performance from last year to now here, or at least the early portion of 2018. And it hasn't been the sole reason for the drop-off, but it's certainly been part of the reason for the drop-off. I go back to the self-inflicted penalties. I mean, you're having mishaps down there in the red zone where you're pushing yourself away from the red zone as opposed to getting closer to the goal line and getting in the end zone. And I just thought today they had too many of those chances. I mean, whether it's a, whether it's a drop pass by Wendell or whether it's an illegal formation, a holding call, whatever it may be, they found themselves really moving away from the goal line as opposed to moving closer. I don't think it has anything to do with who's here as the red zone coordinator. You mentioned it. We had the same players primarily. Zach Ertz is a great red zone threat. Getting Alshon back for the second week, that's another guy that's a red zone threat. Running backs coming out of the backfield catching the ball like Wendell did today. That's also going to be an option for them moving forward. Well, you got to stay ahead of the chains. You can't go from first and 10 at the 20 to first and 15 at the 25 or first and 20 at the 30 because you got a holding call. And that's happened far too often to this team down there in the red zone. I don't think we have very many turnovers in the red zone this year. You know, I don't think they're turning the ball over down there, but it's either drop balls or penalties, things of that nature that have hurt them. Uh, their opportunities to put touchdowns on the board instead of field goals. Well, well, the turnovers have become because of pressure in the pocket and, yeah. and Carson Wentz lose, loses the ball. That's the reason. That's the only turnovers you've really had, you yeah. know, with Carson Wentz coming back and reassuming the reins at the quarterback it's position. Like they've all been the same turnovers. Exactly. Like a sack fumble. That's pretty yeah. much what it's been right there. So when you look at the box score there, it, it's just amazing that if, the, if we had the halftime box score and the final game box score, Minnesota just dominated across the board from time of possession to total yards. Eagles could not get anything going on offense in the first half. And to pretty much finish with almost the same numbers in every category really is a testament how they were able to fight back in the second half. However, it showcases the struggles they're having in the first 30 minutes of games of not being able to contend. Again, mentioned the stat earlier in the show, the Eagles were one of the worst teams in the league in first quarter differential. You know, they were outscored 20-7. to 7 in the first quarter of games coming into this contest. Minnesota was actually worse, but Minnesota, even despite the Dan Bailey field goal miss, was still able to jump on the board first in this game here, and they raced out to an eventual 17-3 halftime lead. Yet the Eagles got to a one-possession game, had the ball in Vikings territory, could have scored, but didn't. So once again, the Eagles are left to wonder, what if, but at least there'll be a short week before they could possibly you know, take care of those bad feelings. All right, we're going to take our final break here on the postgame show presented by Rico. We're going to look ahead to what's going on from a schedule standpoint for the Eagles and offer our Toyota Player of the Game nominees right after these messages.
matter when you retire. Your income doesn't have to. See how Lincoln can help ensure you still have income every month of your retirement. Guaranteed at LincolnFinancial.com. Well, I'm trying to get home, but it feels like another life. Yeah, I'm trying to stay strong. Sometimes I realize that the further I go, the more that I know that I want to go home. When you and your money are treated with respect, you prosper. And at Santander Bank, respect adds up. Eagles High School Football Showdown presented by the Rothman Orthopedics at Jefferson Health celebrates local high school football coaches and their teams. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash showdown to check out this year's coaches and learn more about the program. And now is your chance to vote for the Toyota Player of the Week. Go to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Toyota Player of the Week to cast your vote and get a chance at a brand new Toyota. So to lead off the nominees, we're going to start with the man who, even though it seems like at times that the numbers aren't flashy, it's he, he's been so good at accumulating stats throughout the course of a game that once again, just, just look at this stat line, another 100-yard outing, 11 targets, but 10 receptions on those 11 targets. And it gets his, I couldn't believe it, his first touchdown of the season. Zach Ertz starting us off with, this is now his third double-digit reception game of the season, and I believe seventh in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, listen, he is a uh, reception king, man. And uh, obviously, Quarterbacks love going to their tight ends. It's their security blanket. And I mean, you had a guy like Zach Ertz that pretty much catches everything you throw to him. You know, I throw it to him as well. It's great to see him get in the end zone finally. Last year, I thought he got over that hurdle of uh, having a lot of catches and yards, but not having many touchdowns. Last year, he had eight touchdowns. It's good to see him get his first one, albeit in the fourth game of the season. Well, maybe that breaks the seal on him getting into the end zone. Now we can open up the floodgates and Zach can start uh, turning some of those receptions into touchdown receptions. I also like the fact that when he has 10 catches that he goes for over 100 yards, he's averaging a first down per reception also. If he's getting 10 catches for 80 yards, it's kind of like, all right, obviously he's the the check down guy. He's not really moving the ball down the field, but he's being reliable and coming up with big plays for the offense. Our second nominee, we've talked about him a short time ago in our Rico review, and that is Wendell Smallwood, who again had the drop early on, but came back with that fourth quarter touchdown and followed that with a nice two-point conversion run where he dove into the end zone to be able to get those extra points. Yeah, nice job. You know, you're talking about a mass unit at the running back position, and uh, Wendell not not getting a, getting a a ton of touches when you look at the rushing attempts and the uh, 
uh, receptions. But the good thing is, seems like whenever he has the ball in his hands, he's making the most of it. And so nothing but positivity from Wendell Smallwood in his fourth year, starting to show why the Eagles have really kept him around. And with the way the backfield is up and down with who's healthy and who's not, it's great to have at least one guy who you seemingly can depend on every week, and that's Wendell. He's been healthy every week. Which is ironic because that was the knock on him. Yeah, His first couple of seasons, he couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't yeah. stay healthy okay? yeah. you, you showed, he showed promise, showed talent, but just couldn't translate it to the field because he was always on the sideline. Our last nominee, look, Carson Wentz. I'm telling you, look at the, look at the completion percentage, 69%, almost 70%, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, a, a 115 quarterback rating. You know, outside of the pressure that he's dealing with, he's been outstanding. Yeah. You know, it's, and without looking at the tape, it's hard to see is he missing guys or guys open, things of that nature. But overall, though, he's making smart decisions with the football. The velocity is increased. The accuracy is there. You know, we, we saw a little bit more uh, of him taking off and running today as opposed to recent weeks. So overall... I just love what I'm seeing with Carson Wentz. You just hope that they can put it together in the red zone so that it adds to more, becomes more points, and they come out with wins instead of these tough losses. Yeah, that's a prized possession right there when you look at the quarterback of this team. He is the franchise, and I think he's gotten better every week. It's three straight weeks that I've been impressed with Carson Wentz's performance. When you look at the uh, duress that he's under, when you're talking about pressure coming from his left, coming from his right, he rarely gets an opportunity to step up uh, in the pocket because teams are now starting to bring pressure through those A-gaps. Uh, every once in a while, he'll hold on to the ball, but you got to take the good with the bad as far as that goes with Carson Wentz because he's always looking to make a play down the field. And I think as the season goes along, he's going to get more and more comfortable with the speed of the game. I still don't think he's necessarily – had his A game yet. He's given us a bunch of B plus, A minus performances, but we know that he has one of those 300 yard, four touchdown, five touchdown games in his arm. The thing is, is that guys have to get open. You got to catch the ball when he throws it to you because he's doing everything that he can to keep you in the game. I thought today was going to be the day. Yeah. I actually I said, so did I. I. I said on the kickoff show, we, we do bold prediction. I, I said the number to watch was 364. That was his career high in passing yards. Yeah. I thought he was going to surpass it. And I thought he would lead. I thought we were going to see MVP Carson Wentz. I thought he was going to carry this team on his back today. And look, the numbers were outstanding. He did run the offense efficiently, just could not get the ball in the end zone. That really was the difference at the end of the day. So let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. Of course, the Giants, the Eagles are traveling up to MetLife on Thursday night, short week. That game will be 8.20 p.m. Fox and NFL Network and Amazon Prime. But what's amazing about this schedule so far, Ike, is five games, Eagles are two and three. The combined differential in of these games is 21 points. Yeah, five okay. games. Yeah. Five games, 21 points, one game going to overtime. The biggest margin of victory you know, was the week one against the Falcons and the following week against the Buccaneers, six points, all one-possession games. That's how thin the margin is between being an elite team and being an average team in the yeah. NFL. Just too many small things that need to be cleaned up for this Eagles team. And you look at those scores, you look at the schedule moving forward, I mean, the Eagles, you can t they can turn this thing around. They really can. They just have to stop all of the little small things that hurt themselves. And if you just play a clean football game, 
you're going to look up at the end of the game and realize you have more points than the other team because this is a good football team. It really is. And I'm not here to make excuses for this team. They've had as many issues or adversity to overcome just like other teams around this league. So this isn't an excuse league. You got to get the job done with whom you have to go out the field to battle with every week. And I think the Eagles, for the most part, with the exception of the Tampa Bay game, they've had enough at their disposal to go win football games. And so this is a team that if they don't beat themselves, they're easily sitting at 4-1 and one right now. But like Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. It's a 2-3 and three team. And 2-3 and three says inconsistent play. That's what that says. And when they look back on the first five games of this season, they're going to know that they've contributed to the three losses as much as the other team did to beat them. I mean, the Eagles have really put themselves behind the eight ball at times, and they got to clean this stuff up so that they can be playing their best football coming November and December. Indeed. You know, three great tests ahead. First and foremost, the Giants come up on Thursday night. It's a division matchup here. You know, the Eagles are two and three, okay? Two of the losses are within the conference. One to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that has fallen off after its hot start. And then the other one, you know, coming here today to the Vikings, a team that you know, is probably going to be in the mix as well. Okay, yeah. NFC North, you know, hotly contested with Detroit coming up with a big win today over Green Bay and Chicago off to its great start. But overall, Minnesota is going to be in, in the picture here. So the Eagles need to focus on the NFC East. It's wide open. Okay, the Giants losing today, you know, they don't have a ton to play for. It probably doesn't – it's not going to be in the cards for them in 2018, but they can play spoiler to the Eagles and they – Nobody wants to see the Eagles go to two and four in the month of October, okay? So it's one thing to say we're going to play our best football in the second half of the season, but you need September and October to stack wins to put yourself in position so that when you are playing your best football that you are going to win the division, you're going to get a good seed in the playoffs, and that you could possibly have home field advantage. So you look here at the NFC East. Look, the Eagles are going to be right there in the mix, and they just need to start things off with a big win on Thursday against the Giants, Ike. And they can wake up Tuesday and look and be looking at a 2-2 two and two Redskins team that has to go to New Orleans tomorrow night. That's going to be a tough game for the Redskins coming off the bye week, going to play the Saints. And the Cowboys tonight are playing the Houston Texans in Houston. So, you know, that, that can be a tough game as well. So, a lot of football still left to be played. Eagles just need to clean up their own backyard so that the rest of this division is looking up at them the way it should be. Indeed. Dallas winning early 6 to nothing in that ball game on Sunday night football, so Houston needs to turn up <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Marks and Reese, tomorrow afternoon on Sports Radio 94 WIP. <sighs> what do you think the big topic is going to be? Obviously, it's going to be the Eagles' loss, but mm -hmm. what do you think the fans are going to be calling the most? What's going to be the the primary storyline. Well, the first question they'll probably throw out there is, Ike, I thought you said this was a lock. You said this was a guaranteed win. You know, and that's what I told them all last week. No, in all seriousness, um, they're going to be some, some angry fans and, and get it out of the system tomorrow. We got to get ready for the Giants on Thursday night. A lot of football left to be played, but you know how the passion runs deep for this, this, this football team through these uh, fans in this city. So it'll be a lot of yelling and screaming tonight. I'm pretty sure uh, my co-workers, Angelo Cataldi, he'll, he'll get them riled up tomorrow. We'll have some things to talk about. And I'll just transition into we'll, Listen, we'll talk it out. We'll talk it out. We'll have our Eagles community, and uh, I'll do my best to make sure no one is jumping off the ship. We got a lot of football still left to be played, and, um, you know, this team has championship DNA. 
A lot of football left to be played, man. A lot of, a lot of football left to be played. They just need to clean some stuff up and get back to playing Eagles football. So some therapy on Sports Radio 94 <laughs> WIP. And then before the game, you get a little bit of the X and O's and how the Eagles can beat the Giants on Eagles game plan. So make sure to check out that check that out later on in the week. So that's going to do it for us here on the post-game show presented by Rico For Ike Reese and everyone here at the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm Chris McPherson signing off. The Eagles fall 23-21 to the Vikings. We'll be back tomorrow as head coach Doug Pearson addresses the media at noon. Until then, have a great Eagles night, everyone.